Let us pray. Lord, we wait now for your Spirit. We ask that your Spirit will descend upon us, that it will speak to us, that it will guide us, that the words that are written in this text that we are about to read will come off the page for us, And they will speak deeply to our hearts. And that in some way, the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord will be spoken to us today through the power of your word and what it is doing in our lives. Lord, we ask that you bless this time. Bless what is spoken, bless what is heard. And bless this time that we have here in your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14, I'm sorry, verses 12 through 17. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Last week we began to study this, uh, the means of grace. And if you were here, you'll remember I said the means of grace uh, was a, a phrase that John Wesley used to talk about the channels through which God pours his grace out to us. Because we are physical creatures living in a physical world, but yet we experience God spiritually. And grace is something invisible. It is something unseen. But yet it flows from God, from the spirit realm, to us. So how can we be touched as physical creatures by something unseen, something spiritual? Well, John Wesley said that we, we experience it through, through these channels, through these physical acts that we participate in where, where God's grace can be made uh, more readily available to us and, and more easily known to us. And these he called the means of grace. And last week we talked about fasting as a means of grace, where if we live a life of self-denial, God sees that, and whether it's through fasting or giving up something for Lent or, or whatever it may be, uh, God honors that, God blesses that, and we experience his grace during those difficult times. Today I want to talk about uh, the, one of the, the means of grace that, that Wesley talked about uh, many, many times throughout his career, and that is that of searching the scriptures. 
Um, Wesley believed, like the, the kids said in, in children's sermon, that God spoke to us through the scriptures, that we could have a, a full and deep encounter with God through the scriptures. See, John Wesley was, was always interested in the um, in ancient Christianity, what those first Christians did, how they followed Jesus, because they gave us a glimpse of what authentic Christianity should look like. Those who knew him personally, those who followed him, those who, who uh, were uh, fundamental in, in building and, and establishing the, uh, the, the early church, the first days of the church, Wesley really wanted to get to the root of that and see what it was they did to follow Jesus more perfectly. And in, in doing this, he, he really traced Christianity back to his roots, which is a good idea no matter what you're doing. If, if you're uh, into uh, any type of hobby or, or a career or anything, it's always helpful to go back to the beginning and find out how that thing started. It may not necessarily pertain to you today, but it's always helpful in informing who you are and what you do. If you go to medical school, you will learn, albeit briefly maybe, about the history of medicine and how certain medicines and practices came to exist. Uh, if, if you're like me and you go to a school of theology, you have to learn about Christian history and the, and the history of theological thought. But it goes for everything. It goes with, with hobbies as well. I was speaking to someone earlier this week who uh, is in a, a rock and roll band. And, uh, and he's about 10 years younger than me, uh, maybe a little more. And, um, and I thought that I was going to drop some knowledge on this guy. And I was going to tell him about some... Some, some musicians he should look up that, you know, he's too young to know anything about. And, and so uh, and I, I would tell him about some things, and he already knew. And, uh, in fact, he started telling me about uh, blues guitarists from the 1930s and 40s that he had listened to and, and emulated. And, and I said, well, I'm, I'm really impressed that you know about all of this. And he said, well, when I got into this, I knew that I wanted to go all the way back to the roots of it to understand what I do now, which is a very good way of doing things. And that's what John Wesley did with, with Christianity. He wanted to go all the way back to the roots of it to understand how we can follow Jesus in the way that the early church did, in the way that the early Christians did. And one thing that Wesley noticed was the early Christians placed a premium on the Scriptures. Starting with Jesus himself. Jesus taught the scriptures in the synagogue. Remember, he went into the synagogue and was teaching uh, at the age of 12 with authority that nobody had, had, had seen or heard before. But he knew those scriptures. He was familiar with them. He was drawing from the scriptures. And then the early church, of course, they, they studied the scriptures. And by the scriptures, I mean primarily the Old Testament, but, but some of the gospels that were starting to circulate as well. And then these letters that Paul was writing to them. And then Paul here in this passage, in this letter to Timothy, he tells them about uh, the importance of, of staying true to those scriptures that you've been brought up to read. And, uh, and, and, and so I've, I've gotten this question before uh, from people who don't believe. And they'll try to trick you or try to trap you, I guess, uh, sometimes if they don't believe. But, but this question, I understand it's a valid question. Um, somebody asked me one time, well, how can you believe that the Bible is true just based on the fact that the Bible says it's true? 
And I didn't really follow at first. I said, well, that's not why I believe the Bible is true. I believe the Bible is true because every time I've encountered it, it has spoken to me in some way. And they were like, no, no, no. But there's a verse in there that says everything in this Bible is true. And I started thinking about it, and, uh, and there's not really a verse that says that, but the closest I could think was this passage from 2 Timothy, where Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed, and all Scripture is, is available to us for teaching and for instruction, for training and reproof. It is there to make us wise. And so I can see how somebody might open this up and say, well, this is in the Bible, and it's saying that all Scripture is breathed out by God. So in the Bible, it's saying that the Bible is, is, is breathed out by God. That is true. But when Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, he's not talking about the Bible. At least at that point in time, he wasn't. Because Paul had no idea that what he was writing in that letter was going to be included in the Bible. In fact, there was no such thing then as the Bible. The Scriptures were... A collection. They were scattered. Uh, there were the prophets. There were the writings of Moses. There were, like I said, some of the early gospels were starting to circulate, and some of Paul's letters were starting to circulate. And it wasn't until a few centuries later somebody said, "Let's take all of these writings and put them together in one book and call it the Bible." And and Paul's letters were included because they felt that. Paul's letters were, were sacred in the sense that they, they pointed back to, to Jesus and they pointed back to the prophets and they, they helped us understand how it all fit together. So Paul's letters became scripture. But at the time of this letter, Paul was not saying, what I'm writing to you right now is part of the Bible. So I understand how that could be confusing for people, but that's, that's not exactly what, was, what he was referring to. What Paul was referring to was the scriptures Timothy had been raised to hear and raised to believe. And that, that emphasizes how important it is for all of us to train ourselves, to become familiar with the scripture. Because we can come to church, we can come to Sunday school, we can ask teachers, leaders, other Christians, ask the preacher even what the Bible says about X, Y, Z, but it's much easier for us if we're already familiar with it. If we've already familiarized ourselves with its contents, then we know in our time of trouble or in our time of crisis exactly where to go. I know that when I'm going through a hardship of my own, that there are many psalms where people are crying out out of desperation to God. I never would have known that if I had not first read those psalms before I experienced hardships. And, and this, this same word is made, is made available to all of us. And it's important that we, like Timothy, train ourselves in it. That we use those scriptures to make ourselves wise. As Wesley says, it's a means of God's grace. And if you remember, uh, there are different types of grace. There's the grace that goes before, prevenient grace. It's the grace that prepares us for our encounter with Christ. And there's justifying grace where we meet Christ at the cross and we become justified and we are forgiven. And then there's sanctifying grace where after we have met Christ, after we have accepted him, we have surrendered ourselves, we go about the rest of our lives walking in grace, trying to become more and more like him. And that's sanctifying grace. But the scripture plays a key role in all of that because the scripture points 
to Jesus. It leads us there. It makes us aware of our sin and our need for Christ. The scripture brings us to the cross. It shows us how we can be forgiven. And then once we are, the scripture is here, as Paul says, so that we may become complete and equipped for every good work. It refines us and it shapes us. And it's that what what John Wesley called sanctifying grace. And that's what scripture does for us. It teaches us. It equips us. It reproves us. It does all of these things. But it also testifies of what God did for us. You see, this is a love letter. This is God's way of saying, I have loved you so much. Look what I have done. And if you were to make a sacrifice of any type, the sacrifice would be done in vain if absolutely no one benefited from it. This is our way of benefiting from the sacrifice God made when he sent his son. If he sent his son to die for us, and we never knew it, what good would that be? And so he has given us this word. He has given us this method, this means, this means of grace so that we can experience grace, we can walk in grace, we can grow in grace. John Wesley was a very well-read man. He read thousands upon thousands of books in his lifetime. He was known to read multiple books a week, and they ranged from everything. He would read books on philosophy, books on science, books on theology. Everything you could think of, he would read. But yet, he called himself a man of one book. And he said, if you were to give me just one book, give me that book, that sacred book that is God-breathed. God breathed the scriptures into being. Now, the Bible doesn't take that, uh, that phrase lightly. It's used a few different times. God breathed life into dust and created Adam. God breathed the Holy Spirit on those first followers of Jesus Christ so that they were given the gifts of the Spirit. And then here it says, the Scriptures are breathed. Now we use the Scriptures as a baseline. Reverend uh, uh, Steve Harper says that uh, anything that we, we do, we have to measure it against something else. And that's exactly right. You can't know uh, how to react to something unless you have something to measure it against, unless you have a standard. And that's what Scripture is for us. John Wesley had this thing called the quadrilateral, where he would say, uh, anything that you're trying to decipher or discern about, you you use this four-pronged process. First, there's tradition. You, you evaluate the tradition of how things have been done and, and you think about why it's always been done that way and, and how it's been useful throughout the ages. And then there's reason. You think logically about does this make sense? Is, is this what, what I think should happen if I use my logic? And then you use experience. Well, this is how it's played out for me in the past. This is based on what I know and what I've experienced. This is the decision I should make, or this is how I should handle this situation. But all three of those things, according to Wesley, had to be supported by Scripture because that was the leg that everything else stood on. The tradition, the reason, 
the experience, all had to be tested against Scripture because Scripture was that baseline. It was the absolute truth that we measure all our experience, all our tradition, and all our reason against. Now, just because it's the baseline and it's that measure of truth does not mean that it is lifeless. In fact, it is full of life. As I said, God breathed the Scriptures, and it is a living thing. And every time you come to the Scriptures, every time you come to the Bible, it will meet you where you are. No matter what stage of life you are in, the Scriptures will meet you there. And whether you're in need of provenient grace or saving grace, justifying grace or sanctifying grace, whether you are in need of an encouraging word or whether you are in need of, of, of a nudge in the right direction, God is willing to meet us through His Scriptures because God uh, has made the Scriptures His Word, His written Word. We say that Jesus was the Word made flesh. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And that Word became flesh through Jesus Christ. But these words written here are the Word made text that testifies of God and testifies of His Word made flesh. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. And He gave this broken, fallen, messed up, dirty world His Son. If any of us made a sacrifice on that level, we would want somebody to know about it. We would want to communicate that. We would not want that sacrifice to be made in vain. Somebody would need to know that they had to accept that sacrifice. And that's what the Bible is for us. The Bible is a testimony of God's sacrifice. It is a testimony of what He did through Jesus Christ. It is a love letter from God to us. And it is an invitation for us to grow in grace, to encounter God in His grace day by day, and to walk in that grace. If we are wise, we will come to this fountain. We will drink from the fountain of love, mercy, and grace. If we are wise, we will drink from that fountain often. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you not just for the saving work that you did through Jesus Christ. We thank you not just for the life that you breathed into our lungs and into our beings and into all of creation. But we thank you that you have breathed your word into text so that we can meet you there. And as John Wesley said, we can experience your grace there. We thank you that you find us where we are and you speak to us in all stages of life. That is how great your love and your mercy toward us is. Make us faithful to receive you, to know you. Make us faithful to meet you in the ways that you have prepared for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 48. If you get out your Cokesbury hymnal, that's uh, hymn number 48 in your Cokesbury hymnal, How Firm a Foundation. Uh, I, I...
the altar is al- always open if you'd like to come and spend a moment in prayer with God. But if you made a decision of any type today, I encourage you and invite you to come forward. Please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 48, How Firm a Foundation. <laughs>